Hello, y'all, and welcome to Deck Diaries. I am your host and human, Tabitha, and I'm here to take you on a little stroll through my life's diary and the raw, unedited stories from others. Real stories, real humans, real healing, and a whole lot of fuckery all from the deck. Join me and my co-host Meg and other random guests throughout the week as we learn to unfilter our lives, love ourselves a little bit more, and be better humans. To stay up to date on what's coming up on deck, follow us on Instagram at Deck Diaries and on Facebook at, you guessed it, Deck Diaries. Now, kick off your shoes, relax with me, and welcome to the deck. Welcome to another episode of Deck Diaries. Little Kings of Leon for your ass. I yeah, love that song. The name of that, that song is called them. Walls. Nice. It's a fantastic song. Uh, welcome to another episode. Megan is in the house. Hello, everyone. And we have a new friend and a new guest in the studio tonight. Um, everybody, welcome Laura. Welcome, Hello, Laura. Laura. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I had the pleasure of meeting Laura at the Her event series. Um, her and I were the lone speakers that night. Oh. Thank you for going first. Nice. <laughs> yes. yes. Did you guys rock, paper, scissors over it? No, I, I just volunteered to go last. <laughs> <laughs> she volunteered me. I was going yeah, first. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I love that. Um, so we we met Raw that night, um, which was kind of cool that we were both in the same mental space, that we were the ones getting up and telling our stories but that for the first time we were hearing one another's stories too. Mm-hmm. Um, and your story is incredible and you are incredible and you made me feel like warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> the first time I met you. Um, even Ben has been, he he was like, oh, is Laura on tonight? She's so nice. Aww. Like you're just a sweet, nice person. Uh-uh. Uh, and your story was incredible. And you may not know this, but the night of that speech, you hands down said the nicest thing to me that anybody has said to me in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And you stopped your speech and you said, everybody should have a Tabitha. And I wish my mom would have had a Tabitha. And just so you know that right there, girl. Oh, I meant it. The the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Um, and you're absolutely right. And that's why we do the show. Because I think so many people don't have people. And I know you touched on that with your speech. And you are a huge mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that. And I love your story and I love what you stand for. And we wanted the whole world to hear your story. Absolutely. (laughs) So just start off by telling everybody who you are. Where are you from? How old you are? You got kids, dogs, cats. Just tell us about you. Um, So my name is Laura. I uh, moved to Cedar Rapids in 2016, um, two years after graduating from UNI. I didn't want to stay um, in my college town, even though I loved it. And Cedar Rapids was kind of the closest uh, big city. Mm-hmm. Um, not really proud to say I moved here for a boy, mm-hmm. um, but thankful that I did. Um, I don't see myself ever really leaving Cedar Rapids. Um, I'm originally from Sioux City, Iowa, okay, a nice. tiny town. And I moved to Omaha when I was 12. So I went from a very small Catholic school to a... Uh, 2,500 uh, high school, public school. So mm-hmm. very 
very different, um, but junk. I think it kind of helped prepare me for the big world and outside yeah. of a Catholic school. Um, but I work currently at uh, KCRG TV9 here in town. I am their uh, community outreach coordinator. Nice. And um, that's actually how I got connected with the Gazette to do the Her Series, meeting Lindsay with the Restoration Project. Um, and then uh, through the Mental Health Summit last May mm-hmm. uh, with NAMI Lynn County. Nice. And so how long have you worked at the Gazette? Um, well, with KCRG. Er, um, no, that's okay. They used, to, they used to be together, so yes. you're good. Um, <laughs> I've worked there since January 2021, so it'll be coming up, um, excuse me, January 2022, so it'll be coming up on two years. Oh, fresh. Yeah, so okay. very fresh, yes. And you're young. I am. If I just uh, kind of did the math. 32. 32. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm probably one of the younger, when people at work talk about, um, oh, I feel so old. And I was like, yeah, me too. They just tell me to shut up. So. Right. right. Just be quiet. <laughs> just be, yeah, I'm the baby. Yeah. But we do remember being in our 30s and being like, oh, I'm uh, old now. <laughs> old balls. Uh, um, what did you do before KCRG? Um, I worked at a company called ESP International, which nobody knows what it is, but it's a distribution center. That makes um, rubber products like O-rings, seals, and gaskets. And I knew nothing um, when I started there, but they kind of got me into the job because they have a nonprofit side. So they adopt a nonprofit organization every year Hmm. and raise funds for them. And it started when the flood hit in 2008. Um, And the first organization that they were supporting when I got the job was the Cedar Valley Humane Society. Mm. So I always joke that I went to work there so I could play with dogs and cats and animals. And I learned... Far more than I ever needed to know about um, rubber products. So. <laughs> Great company, but hey, I can't skills. really I can't really take that with me much anywhere. Where did you? Uh, so you moved to Omaha when you were twelve. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where did you go to college? Um, I went to the University of Northern Iowa. Oh, you and I. Yep. And um, Panther, I guess for life. Mm-hmm. I when anybody asks me, "Are you in Iowa State or um, Iowa?" I always say "You and I," so that mm-hmm. I don't really have to, to make a decision, <laughs> right? Because um, I don't watch sports. Um, but I originally went to go be a teacher. Um, my mom was a teacher. My aunt's a teacher. My cousin's a teacher. It was just what we did in our family, right? Um, and I changed my major seven times and still graduated in four years. So oh, wow! I always tell college students if they don't know what to major in, it's like that's fine. You'll, yeah, you'll yeah. be fine. You'll figure it out. So yeah. communications major or uh, what? Public did relations. You, uh, public relations. Yep. Yep. Okay. With a uh, basically a communications plus marketing. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, what moved you guys to Omaha? Was that are um, your parents still together or they are not? So um, my parents divorced when I was nine. Okay. And my dad lived in Omaha at the time. He worked okay. for the Union Pacific Railroad as mm. a train dispatcher, and we ended up moving. Um, because my mom passed away when I was 12, okay. and it was um, instead of us, my dad trying to, like, move back to where we were, it was just so much easier for us to just right. kind of pick up and start over. Right. You know? So let's let's get into that topic. Yeah, absolutely. your story is not only important because it's your story, Laura, um, but it's important because there are a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. have or are struggling with this topic. Um, we actually had another gal on the show, Barbie, shout out mm-hmm. Barbie, yep. um, that dealt with suicide. And and that's the big reason we're here tonight to mm-hmm. talk about that. So mm-hmm. um, I guess just take everybody back. Yeah. Um, so when I was 12 um, in Sioux City, we lived um, in a house that was probably about maybe seven or eight blocks from where I went to school. Mm -hmm. Um, My sister was in high school and I was in, um, I guess, sort of junior high. It was a school that was just seventh and eighth grade. Okay. Um, So you have one older sister? Yes. Okay. Um, Excuse me, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So I was in sixth grade and my sister was a sophomore in high school Mm -hmm. and uh, got to love Catholic school uniforms. Mm -hmm. Um, I hated them so much. (laughs) Um, But I could walk home from school. So um, that kind of sets up the whole uh, scenario. So Friday, April 16th, 2004, my mom was an elementary school teacher and she took what I remember is the first sick day of her life, Mm. um, which I didn't think about then, um, but she never, I guess, took sick days. It wasn't the normal. It was not the normal. So um, she didn't seem sick. And of course, when your parents stay home, you're like, well, I'm I'm not feeling good too. Can I just stay home with you and have a mom-daughter day? And um, she was very adamant that I was going to go to school that day. So, And your parents are divorced. They are, yes. Right. So my dad, okay. um, the 
essentially that weekend was dad's weekend. So he was planning on coming and um, getting us after we were done with school and we were going to go to Omaha for the weekend. So he was supposed to be coming into town. And when school was done, because I didn't want to walk home because my mom could just come pick me up, mm-hmm. um, I called her and she didn't answer. So I called my dad and he wasn't close enough to pick me up, but he would have been close enough um, to pick up my sister so she could avoid taking the bus home. So he just told me to walk and he'd see me and my mom when we got home. So when I got home, um, I we had a little uh, cockapoo, so it's a cocker spaniel poodle, mm-hmm. Um and always let him out when I get home and always get the mail. And I got a 17 magazine in the oh, mail. Yeah. Oh, and yes. Of course, that was the thing as a teenager. You yeah. Those bright colors, the stories suck you in about mm-hmm. um, celebrities, boys. Justin Timberlake's on the cover. Exactly. So the minute I got home, all I did was sit down on the couch and just start reading through this magazine. I didn't, like, say, hey, Mom, I'm home. I didn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So... Probably like 20 minutes go by and I'm still reading this magazine on the couch and my dad and my sister come home. And I finally look up from the magazine and my dad's asking, hey, where's your mom? And I just realized, oh, I have no idea. Right. So he goes into the kitchen, which we had sort of like a circle house. So the living room would have been in the front. You go to the left to the kitchen. If you went to the right, you'd get to the dining room and then the kitchen and the dining room are like connected. Mm -hmm. So it's probably less than like 10, 12 feet from where I was. And not even five minutes that he'd been there, he went in the kitchen and he found letters on the counter. So for 20 minutes, I was 12 feet away from letters that I could have read um, by myself. Right. So he opens one of those letters and not even five seconds after opening it, he's booking it out our back door towards um, our garage, which is not connected. It's in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. And we're following him, very confused as to what's going on. And when he gets to the garage, of course, we didn't grab a key, so he can't get into the garage. Mm -hmm. And he's regretted doing this. He's told me that he hates that he did this, um, but he broke... Our garage had uh, glass windows on Mm -hmm. the front, a door, and he broke one and lifted up my sister and basically put her face first into the garage through broken glass. And he talks about it to this day that he regrets um, doing that, but it was kind of just absolutely adrenaline rush. And after he um, let her in there and she opened the garage door, he's calling 911, asking an ambulance to come, and we have no idea why. Right. And when the garage finally opens, my mom's car is in the garage running, Mm -hmm. and she's in the back seat. And, of course, um, still, I have no idea what's going on. Right. Um, My dad is crying. His arm is covered in blood from breaking the glass, and he's in the back seat trying to give my mom CPR. So we're still very confused. We're crying because he's crying. I have my um, family dog in my arms, and Mm -hmm. he's yelling at us to go up and wait for the ambulance and make sure that they know where they're going. Right. So we're up front, and, of course, in a... A tiny town, if there's a police officer, if there's a news vehicle, if there's an ambulance, every single person that you've known your whole life is in your front lawn. Yeah. So the minute an ambulance shows up in our front lawn and we have to send it around, every single neighbor that I've known for my whole life is looking at us like, what's going on? What's going on? But nobody will ask. So we're just kind of standing there. And shortly after, my dad um, comes up and he's still crying He's moving very, very slow. Um, I think it was more that he was just basically defeated. Right. So he sits us down um, on the porch, completely ignores everybody that's standing there, and he basically explained that what happened, that um, our mom was gone, and he didn't really... He did sugarcoat it, I think, for children, but he explained what suicide was and that she died from carbon monoxide poisoning um, and that essentially that mom was sick and that sickness took over. Right. So when I tell people that, they're like, why would your dad, like, tell you that? Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm very thankful. Why would he not? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I would have done. More people are assuming that he would say, like, mom died. Um, Do you have any questions? Or just not being that blunt. Um, But that's how he is with everything. He's he's very open. He asked if we had any questions. 
Um, there's no wrong way to tell somebody. There's something. not absolutely. It's your Especially way. when he's in shock too. Exactly. He's mourning I mean, they too. They were divorced, but they were still like best friends. Oh, they, yeah. Man. So, and I think what was really hard for him is he didn't know that she'd taken a sick day. Um, and had he known that, I think maybe something would have been a little bit questioning because he oh, knows man, that she never did. Right. So their their marriage their end of their marriage was amicable? It was, yes. Um right. it was more my dad was I think constantly traveling for work and just um they had grown grown apart. Right. Um and it wasn't it wasn't bad by any means. We still saw our dad very very frequently. Um I remember in elementary school I was called into the principal's office shortly after the divorce and they made a point to say, now, anytime you want to call your dad, we have his cell phone number. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really cool of an elementary yeah. school to do. So I I had done that before. In the middle of class, I would want to talk to my dad, and I was allowed to do that. So, Which was, I think, very surprising for a lot of people that a Catholic school would be that. I was just going to say that. about it. Um, yeah. But my mom was a teacher at a public school, so I think she was very um, adamant that if she did that for her students, she would want the same for her daughters. Right, so, right. Yeah. When um, when that happened, A, did you guys have any idea what, did you have any idea what suicide was before that? No. Um, okay. I, I don't even think I'd ever heard the term mental health. Um, wow. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't something that we really saw a need, I guess, to talk about. We were very open about our feelings in our okay. family, but no, mental health wasn't um, ever something that was brought up. And I learned after that my mom was just very good at hiding sure. that she was great. Sure. Yeah. Um, did it register what had happened? I mean, or were you just like, why is mom in the car? How did dad know she was in the car? Like, was it just like swirling thoughts or were you like, she did something to herself. Yeah. I don't think it registered really at all. I think it was... Because um, you're in sixth grade. I was mm-hmm. in sixth grade. I was 12. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, your brain's not really even fully developed, right. I don't think, at that point. So right. I think, if I remember, probably one of the first thoughts I had was, um, why didn't I try harder to stay home? So, I mean, mm. immediately you think, oh, it's my fault. I did something yep. wrong. Um, and when you learn more about um, like what suicide is, that there Mm -hmm. are signs. I think me and my sister both were like, could we have noticed? Is it something that we should have noticed? And um, as I grew up, I did more research on suicide and mental health and what it does to you. And there's no way that we would have we would have ever been able to She was to a tell. pro at hiding it. She was. Um, when I was in high school, we had the option of doing a senior project on anything that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And I selfishly chose depression so that I could investigate um, my mom. And I don't think I really told my dad about it because mm-hmm. um, I was worried he would tell me no. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he would have been open to it, but it would have been more let me help you and okay. he would have maybe helped censor some things. Sure. But I learned, um, I drove to Sioux City during the school day for like a week every day, and I would interview her um, teachers that she worked with, and I met with um, the school that she went to in in high school and got some old yearbook photos and things and learned more um, from the police officer who had been um, on the scene. And I found out that um, she had actually been planning it for probably like four or five months. Um, wow. How do you know that from the letters or her favorite, um, singer, have you ever heard of Josh Groban? Yeah. Yeah. So that was her favorite singer. He was always playing in our house growing up and her teachers were also her friends, the people that she worked with Mm -hmm. and they knew how much she loved Josh Groban. So they had surprised her and gotten her tickets to his show on May, I think 6th. Um, and they told her about it like three months prior sure. because they knew that she was a planner and she needed to get a babysitter and she turned them down. Wow. And it was probably like two weeks, two or three weeks after she died. So they, when they told me that, I was, wow, that like I knew depression really can mess with your brain, but yeah. she, the fact that she had planned it that far out was Do very you surprising. know if there's a particular reason she chose that date or is there 
do you feel like maybe she just woke up that day and was like, this is the day I've got to do it? Like she she knew she was going to do it, but she didn't know when. Did that date have any significance? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, I think part of it was that my dad was going to be in town. Um, she knew you guys she would, knew be that we would be cared for. She knew that we would be cared for. But I also found um, a notebook of hers, and I knew it was her handwriting, and there was um, a dollar value written on it. Um, April 16th was tax day. Mm. And she didn't tell anybody that she was behind on her taxes. Okay. And my mom was not the type of person to ask for help. Right. Um, but I also found out that her teaching certificate had expired. Uh, and we didn't have the funds for her to renew it. Yeah. And that was her sole income. So uh, everything was secretly kind of crashing correct. around her. And I mean, my dad was always like helping with child support. He mm-hmm. was always making sure that we had everything we needed. But if my mom didn't say that she needed something, mm-hmm. um, nobody would have known. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what it was, but just timing-wise and the fact that I found out that her teaching license had expired, it just, it kind of fits. Yeah. So, yeah, she was very much um, too proud, I think, to ask for help for really anything. Mm-hmm. And, so. and so growing up and more being, I'm sure that, you've had lots of conversations with your sister because she was older, mental capacity a little bit different. Mm-hmm. No signs like of depression with her or sadness or seeing her cry or locking herself away or like none of that stuff was happening? No. At least not what we were around for. Um, she stress smoked every once in a while and she hated that she did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, that was the only thing that I ever really noticed. Yeah. Like, and what about, did she have close friends? She did. She had um, one of her best friends that um, I'm so close with to this day who used to live up the street from us. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad called her and I was, I remember this very clearly sitting on our front porch swing and I just like looked to my left and she's running down the street um, mm. and she had no idea either. Yeah. She had not a Not clue. even her friends. No. People, I mean, her teacher friends that she worked with eight, ten hours every single day. No. Wow. So do you, after years of dissecting this, do you think that it was ongoing mental health issues or do you think it was circumstantial and that everything was crashing down on her in that time frame and sometimes that's really what does it for people? that there doesn't have to be a mental health behind it necessarily. Um, what? It was um, a combo. Um, uh-huh. it, it was, I learned after, again, after she passed, that mental illness runs in our family. Okay. Um, on both my mom's side and my dad's side. Okay. And my, I learned at my mom's funeral that my grandmother died from suicide. Oh, wow. I didn't know that until she, my mom died. It just, Nobody ever it wasn't talked about. She um, jumped off a bridge. Wow. Yeah. Was your grandfather still alive at the time that your mom passed? And it was, I want to say the 70s. So, I mean, people still don't want to talk about mental illness now. Right. Right. Imagine that they had conversations about it. And, I mean, no fault to my grandfather. There wasn't much out there in regards to therapy of how, right. do, how do you talk about that? Honestly, back then I feel like it was more, oh, they went crazy. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They so. they didn't know what to call it, so it was something was wrong with them. Mm-hmm. They went crazy. Do you have a close relationship with your aunts? It has gotten much better. Okay. Um, when I first we went and stayed with my aunts, my my mom has three sisters and okay. only one of them has children. Okay. One is um, lives in Omaha. Um, my aunt who has children lives in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And then my other aunt lives in Arkansas. Okay. So um, kind of hard to have a super have a, close with, relationship. With her, correct. And she thankfully does not have social media, so she will never hear this. Um, <laughs> um, and this is something that I've talked about in therapy many times, and I've forgiven her many times for it and the more I think about it the more I realize that this was how she was raised this was her coping mechanism but the one aunt in Little Rock um, Arkansas she when my mom passed she came into town um, to be with us and to help my dad since he was a single father Mm -hmm. Um, and she 
stayed with my grandpa who lived in the same town that my mom and my sister and I had. Mm -hmm. And she came to help get the house ready to be sold. And I remember one day we came home and we had parked in the back and there were like 40 black trash bags sitting in the alleyway ready to be picked up by the trash. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, what did she throw away? The house wasn't that clean. She threw away all my mom's stuff. Oh, my goodness. Her clothes are like a figurine that had been broken and shoved into a cupboard. She threw it all away. So we dug all that we could out. Right. And for a long time, I hated her. And I've I've talked about it in therapy before. And my therapist made a good point that um, when her mom died, a lot of her mom's stuff mm-hmm. was also donated. It was gotten rid of because that is a coping mechanism and it's potentially right. what my grandfather thought was best. And that's right. what so she, she did what she thought was right. So as much as I really hated her for it, I understood it as I got older. She was right. doing what she thought yeah. she should do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. some people, I mean, of course everybody deals with grief differently. Like mm-hmm. there's some people that really find comfort in having that the yeah. person that passed belongings, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, even absolutely. one or two things. And then there's other people that's like, well, we don't need this anymore. Yeah. Like zero attachment and just, you know, business. Or that they want to get rid of all of it because it's too hard of It's too painful. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, the older I got and the more I, I understood what she went through, mm-hmm. I understood that she was doing it out of love. Right, so. right. So how long, um, so did you move back to Omaha with your dad right away? Obviously? We finished the school year. Um, it was April and we had about a month um, until I would have been done with sixth grade and my sister would have been done with her um, freshman year. Okay. Um, and we needed to fix up the house to sell it. Uh-huh. Um, at the time that we had our house, um, we had carpet everywhere and carpet was not in. Mm-hmm. So we worked on like ripping everything up and getting it ready to sell. And then my dad was living in an apartment at the time, so we needed to secure a house because he didn't want us to be in an apartment while we were going to school. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but... Right. Just, he was bachelor living. He was very much bachelor living. So yeah. um, probably like two, two and a half months. So relatively quickly. What was it like seeing friends and classmates and teachers for you for the first time and feeling like everybody knows... Yeah. It's a tiny town. It's a tiny um, town. Did you go back to school right away? No. We took a week off, um, mm-hmm. and we got all of our classwork. Um, we could pick it up. And I wanted to go back to school. So mm-hmm. when my dad offered to pick up the schoolwork for me, I said, can I come with you? Right. And, I mean, as a kid, you want to see your friends. It's right. a um, it's a comfort. It's people you see every day. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really strange. It was every everybody knew. Yeah. And people who... I probably had never even spoken to were super nice to me and teachers were lenient on homework and if I didn't pass this test, it was okay and not really understanding why. Did anybody directly speak with you about it or was it just everybody was kind of tiptoeing around and just being a little bit gentler with you? The latter, yeah. Okay. They didn't... Not a lot of my teachers, I think, spoke to me mainly. I think they spoke to my dad. Okay. Um, and maybe he didn't see a need for it. Um, but when we moved, my we went from probably like a 300-student school to I was then at the same school um, as my sister because mm-hmm. um, it was a 7th and 8th grade. No, that's not right. I was at a different school than my sister until I hit my freshman year um but when I went to the bigger school teachers did talk to me teachers were aware of what was going on and they had spoken to me about certain things like mother's day coming up or Mm. um, bring your parent to work day Uh. and when my sister went to high school she was going into a brand new high school as a sophomore which is weird because everybody has been there mm-hmm. a year. Yep. So when she would, um, the reason I bring that up is she had a very different experience than I did. Sure. Teachers would say, why are you late to class? And she would say, I don't know where I'm going. Whereas I had teachers who were very nice to me 
And it was also, everybody was brand new to my school. It was just seventh and eighth grade and I was going into seventh grade. Right. Whereas my sister was a freshman or a sophomore, excuse me. And one thing that my sister went through that was incredibly unfortunate is we had a police officer speaker come each year to the high school Mm -hmm. to talk about um, drunk driving and suicide. And nobody made my sister aware of what this huge presentation was going to be about. And he brings his son's destroyed car that his son got drunk and killed himself. Wow. And there was another speaker who came in who found his son hanging and they're talking about this. And my sister's just sitting there like white as a sheet. Yeah. So when I was a freshman, I was not allowed to go to that because of what my sister went through. Yeah. Right. Um, So I think we just had very different experiences. Um, It's too bad. Yeah. Which is, I think is really hard. Did they um, offer counseling at the school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, Almost too much, I think. Okay. Almost basically saying I needed to go even okay. if I didn't want to. Right. So, and then I don't think my sister had that same privilege really mm. as at a high school versus a, a middle school. Interesting. Like yeah. I, f- I feel I wrote I wrote in my diary when I was writing and thinking about you just Aww. the intense and complex feelings that that would be for a young girl and a young mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. as your sister. like Yeah, she definitely jumped into, like, mom mode, I okay. think, and didn't cope with it, I think, as much as she probably should have at the age of 14. Right. So she went through um, self-harm phases and didn't talk about it, and then I learned that from her, like, what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she very much... Made sure that I was okay. Made sure that I had everything that I needed, and I think she still does that to this day. Honestly, make sure yeah. that I'm I'm okay. That I have um, everything I need, even if she doesn't. And, right. Yeah. Do you feel like you're okay and you have everything you need? I think absolutely. Um, Good. I'm very. I love my family. I do, but I'm very happy that I live 300 miles away from them, and it's right. not to like be away from them, but it's to I think have my own identity and separate from that when my mom's mom passed away they stayed in the same house and grew up in the same house so all the neighbors knew and all her classmates knew and my dad told me that my aunts thanked him that he basically took us away from that kind of start over yeah yeah how how did you as a young girl how did you cope or do you even recall and versus how you coped as you got older? We went to um, therapy in Sioux City before we moved. And my sister, I think, was... She had more of a hard exterior, and she... The therapist could tell that she was hurting, but she wouldn't open up about it. And um, I talked about my favorite movies and animals and puppies and... Diversion. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't talk about it, but I didn't seem sad. Um And I also remember I did not cry at my mom's funeral. Mm. Um, I saw everybody else crying, and I consoled them. Um, I told them everything was fine. I was okay. And I think I somewhat still do that to this day, but not to that extreme. Right. Um, So I I definitely didn't cope with it. Um, In middle school, high school, and college, you're constantly busy. You have something to distract yourself with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't actually start coping with it um, healthily until I was about 22, 23. And what changed? Um, Not having something to keep you busy. Um, No, no, no. I mean, what what did you do to, like, what? Oh, um, I realized that I have a... Not really an issue, but I have a habit of running away from abandonment, I guess, in a way. So when a relationship ends, I pick up another one. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten out of a relationship with someone that I dated in college and moved to a new apartment building, started over, and I would drive to work, and I realized that I was having thoughts of 
well, what if I just drove off the road? Mm. Like, it wasn't that I was going to do it, but right. it scared me. Yeah. So I finally didn't have a relationship. I had a job instead of school, so I didn't have a lot to, like, keep me occupied. So I went to a doctor and just said, I think something's, something's going on. And he said, do you think you would ever do it? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. And he said, why? I said, because I don't want to hurt other people. Yeah. And he goes, but you don't care if you get hurt? I said, not really. And he said, okay, we need to get you to a psychologist. We need <clears throat> to get you to a therapist. And it was, um, I think, fate that I lived kitty corner from a counselor's office. Nice. At the new apartment. So I could walk there. Um, we went through EMDR um, therapy with like rapid eye movement. Oh. And um, I learned that I was actually diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma and nobody had ever told me that before. So, so I think actually being told that, (coughs) um, I was diagnosed with it kind of changed my perspective of it. But you need to focus on it yeah, and give it some love Mm -hmm. and care. And yeah, yeah, uh, my, I, mine's similar too, is I didn't give myself the love and attention until a doctor looked at me and said, you had a nervous breakdown. Like yeah. either we need to change something or you're going to end up in two East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, talking to a doctor is important if you mm-hmm. do feel off or you're having feelings mm-hmm. or yeah. talking to a therapist. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that. Yes. I found out my mom did um, and she stopped going two weeks before she passed away. So mm-hmm. she was going to she therapy. She was going to therapy. Was Granted, was she completely honest about stuff I don't know so as much as I advocate for therapy and um getting help it's it really sucks when you do and it still doesn't still not enough right well and sometimes the therapist isn't a good fit true and sometimes like you said um I I've even questioned this with people that I have known in my life of are they really telling the therapist Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah because if they were, you feel like things would, would be different. Be yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you have to be honest mm-hmm. with your therapist. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Right. They are the one person on the face of the earth you should be bloody honest Absolutely. with. All but I of feel it. like, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I feel like sometimes you kind of can't and you just kind of, you just kind of want somebody to see it. Right. You know, you True. just kind of, if you just say it, then I can just say yes. I did. You know? I, I so badly You can't wanted, find the words or I don't you know. You still feel ugly saying it out loud or. I, I don't even know. It's not even like a shameful thing. It's just like, I don't know what it is. Like w- when you wake up in the morning and you just kind of don't feel good and you're like, yeah. I don't know. Is it my stomach? Am I getting sick? Am I getting a cold? Do I feel sad? I can't put my finger on it. You just kind of want somebody else to see it and say it so you can be like, yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think my mom ever would have come out and admitted that Mm, because it's like she would have seen herself as a burden. Right. Did your your dad ever see anything? Any signs? Not signs, but... um, when my parents first started dating, they weren't living in the same town, and my dad gave me their letters. It's so cute. They Aww. were writing letters back and forth. They were recording um, cassette tapes back and forth Aww. to each other. Yeah. And um, I love that he kept them he even did, after yes. the divorce. He kept what my mom had sent him, so uh-huh. I don't have what he sent her. Right. Um, but I've listened to them before, and one of the letters that she wrote to him um, was you asked me about my mom tonight and she had told him about it and he asked her, would you ever do that? Mm. And she was very hurt that he thought she could ever hurt somebody like that. Mm. So she'd even like said, I could never do that to somebody. Uh, so the fact that she did after even like making a point to say. Right. She had had that conscious yeah, thought. Yeah. My mental health, mental illness sucks. Right. It's like it, it just it trumps over. everything. Yeah. yeah. So wow. as you as you enter, so you're in like your early twenties when mm-hmm. you enter therapy. Yep. 
And how has that progressed over the last, like, 10 years or so? Yeah. About a decade? Um, I had my setbacks. I, again, jumped into relationships to avoid um, dealing with trauma. So you said um, you moved here for a boy. I did, yeah. It was, yeah, absolutely. It was the boy that I stopped therapy for, no fault to him. Um, but when I moved to Cedar Rapids, I, again, fell into that um, depression um, mindset. And a friend that I had met through him recommended a therapist. And I was mm. like, oh, you go to therapy. We can talk about this. I'm yeah. not crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find a psychologist. And that's the first time I ever started medication. Mm -hmm. And it was like a turning on a light. Like it was absolutely insane that how well um, things changed. Nice. So awesome. So I took a hiatus a little bit. Yeah. But um, that boy is no longer. No, I, and I, I have to say it's a, a blessing that I met him because I I've still have connections through him. Right. Um, I have the job I have now because I moved here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. happens for a, a reason. Absolutely, yes. So. Where's your sister? Is She's, she back in Omaha? She is in Omaha, okay. yes. So she and my dad both live in Omaha. And um, I have a four-year-old nephew who was a very much a surprise. She went in for back pain and she came out with a baby. Oh my goodness! Oh. I love it. I tell people that. Yeah, oh, wow. She did not know she was pregnant. So that's... yeah, he was a very big blessing. He was completely healthy. So. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Crazy. You always hear you like you randomly hear those. My stories. coworker yeah. knows a girl that. Yeah. Apparently, she... it's a lot more common. Like than, I was peeing yeah. and had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that bad. But didn't happen that easy. Uh. But yeah. So. So how did you? How did? you get into advocating for mental mm -hmm. health because they're the organization again that you're a big part of? Um, NAMI Lynn County. Um, I joined with NAMI just a couple of years ago when I had first started um, really promoting and advocating mental health more. I've always talked about it, but I've never really like publicly posted until the pandemic hit mm -hmm. because everybody was going through oh, some yeah, stuff during right. the pandemic and it's you're sitting at home you're sitting even with if your you thoughts. didn't have issues you had you, you had do issues. Now. So you do yeah. you sure do so yep. it was more um i had gone through a really bad relationship and we broke up and she was still living with me because of the pandemic she had nowhere to go mm -hmm. um so i really focused on mental health right. and um really promoting being aware of mental illness and i very last minute signed up to do the NAMI walk, which is in Iowa City. And NAMI is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. It's a national organization. And when I did the NAMI walk, I talked to the organizer about it. I said, how can I get involved? And they recommended getting in touch with NAMI Lynn County since I live in Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. And I met the now president, Liz Breen, through a organization we supported through my job. And she decided to get me on the board since I plan events for a living. Right. And it was really fun being able to help them fundraise and um, promote more. So now any chance I get, I always talk about um, everything that NAMI does. That's awesome. I follow them on social media yeah. now. Yeah, they're yeah. great. When is the walk? Um, May 4th. May 4th. Yeah. May the 4th be with you is what people have said for, <laughs> okay. to remember it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, can we go back to when you did that senior project mm -hmm. and went back Absolutely. and spoke with, you know, your mom's coworkers and the police officer, like that's mm -hmm. awesome. Was that probably, was it traumatizing at all or was it extremely healing? I think it was mostly traumatizing because I didn't know what to expect, but okay. I also... In a way, because it was for school, I think I was able to look at it as it wasn't my mom. Okay. Um, so it was it was a project. It wasn't mm -hmm. personal. Um, I don't remember crying for the presentation. I made everybody else cry. Oh, wow. Um, and it was very, I think, needed for me to just kind of like turn that off. Right. So even when I was talking to some of my mom's teachers, they were crying and I was consoling them. And it's... Um, I just do that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that about you. You're just mm -hmm. a little yeah. shining light. So, um, I didn't get much um, from the police officer that I had spoken about, but he, I had mainly wanted to talk to them to just see what had been in the police report. Um, we only received copies of the letters. They had to keep the, the yeah, that's how it works with, really? um, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. I think after so many years, they released them. 
Um, and we were mailed them, but at the time we just had copies. And did mm. she leave each of you a letter? She left us one together. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because she left one for us, my dad, my grandpa, each one of her sisters, and then I think a couple of her friends. So a wow. lot, a lot of letters. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Did you, after all of, after that project, did that affect you at all? Did it like throw you into a tailspin or were you just like, no, oh, business as usual, go on with my life? Uh, kind of business as usual. Okay. Probably wasn't the best right. outcome to get from that. Um, I did open up a lot um, when I hit college right mm -hmm. after and I took a creative writing class my first semester of school and told my mom's story. And one thing that kind of started me being a mental health advocate without me realizing it is sharing that story helped um, a friend who attempted suicide mm -hmm. basically um, regret it and come to me and tell me that he did it. And basically we got him help. Nice. And yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how it, like now when you talk about it, does it take you back to trauma or is it, is it all healing and moving forward and remembering in love? Um, or do you still kind of deal with the abandonment and maybe a little bit of anger I'm sure you dealt with? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a combination. Um, I made a point to um, tell Tabitha that I was not going to have anything really written out um, because when I wrote what I was going to say at the Her series, n when I know what I'm expecting to say, mm -hmm. it kind of makes it worse. And um, if I prepare, it's like I'm preparing for the trauma. Mm -hmm. So with... I feel Talk, yeah. all of Which that. Which is so strange because every, every time I'm someone who always wants to prepare. Right. And if you right. prepare too much, you almost like shoot yourself in the foot. So right. um, when I do talk about it, like conversationally, it's not as hard, I think, as if I do plan out exactly what I'm going to say or plan mm -hmm. what I'm going to talk about because... You're processing it correct. over and over correct. and over again. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I wrote only like a couple little notes and um, I cry every time I read my diary piece. Out yeah. Loud. But and, I could sit here and talk to you guys yeah. about multiple traumas mm -hmm. for days. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel yeah, that it's that's, like the conversation aspect of it. Yeah. So I think going through the investigation of what she went through and sort of writing it out, I think was very healing. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also very good at avoidance right. when it comes to that. Um, I saw something online today that I wrote down was uh, to heal trauma, you have to grieve a lot and healing comes from feeling. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to feel it. So I just kind of, I think I looked at it as I'm investigating. It's not my life. And right. I don't think I actually started healing until maybe even like six years ago. Wow. So, yeah. Well, good for you. You got to start somewhere. You do. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah. What what advice would you have for somebody that has gone or is going through something similar that you would maybe do different or that you would do the same or what's a little nugget of wisdom? I think people shy away from therapy because it you automatically assume if someone's going to therapy, there's something wrong with them. Right. Um, or if someone has a mental illness, they're broken. Right. Um Personally, I wasn't diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety until I was 23. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until last year. Um, and when I tell people that, they kind of change how they are towards me. So I think that really prevents people from being open about what they're going through and what they're experiencing because they don't want that stigma. Right. And I think probably the biggest advice I'd give to somebody is, yeah, there's a stigma. It's unfortunate, but talk about it anyway. Right. Because if you don't talk about it, that stigma is never going to go away. Right. Like normalizing that, like, yes, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have PTSD, I have ADHD, and okay. Right. I'm still the same person before I was given all those titles. So, right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it, definitely talking about it, listeners. I mean, and that's why we do what we do mm -hmm. as 
ugly as it might feel sometimes, uh, giving it voice matters Absolutely. and it helps. Mm-hmm. And um, reaching out and having a friend or a therapist or whoever it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Just talk about it. Um, and we're all going through shit too. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we all, like, I swear, I, I feel like we all have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we do. It was very hard when I got diagnosed to get medication because of the number of people who have gone undiagnosed for 20 plus years. Right, right. Wow. But we're, I think, I think everybody has their slivers of depression or mm-hmm. um, call it mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are going on and it is okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's it's okay. We're uh, human beings. We have feelings right. like we all process them differently. It's and I I I know you, you touched on something earlier. I'll wrap the show up with this that you your avoidance because you didn't want to feel it. And I think that's huge. And that would be my little nugget of wisdom is you have to feel it. You do, mm-hmm. yeah. And you can avoid it and you can run from it for a little bit. Um, but eventually it's going to catch you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the wrath is harsher the longer mm-hmm. you run from it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's when you just lose your shit mm-hmm. and yeah. have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> or um, So feel it. Mm-hmm. Own it. Feel it. It's okay. Um, also, give another shout out to your organization. Uh, Nami Lynn County. Yes. Yep. And they, they are on social media and the walk is May 4th. May 4th. And they have lots of programs for people who do have um, mental health issues as well as family members of people who have mental health issues to kind of educate them on how to work with someone who has it. And I love that it's getting talked about more mm-hmm. and more slowly. Yeah. Like you said, even, you know, you didn't hear that word or nobody no. talked about it. And you're 10 years younger than us and mm-hmm. we didn't hear it or it get talked right. about either. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it is slowly becoming okay, which it should just be okay, mm-hmm. is really fantastic and mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's for, very true. Everybody needs a Tabitha. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. And um Yeah, we love you guys all out there. Yeah, thanks for coming, Laura. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You guys have a beautiful, beautiful night. Tell me 